37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hello friends and welcome to 37 Disney Street. There's strange things on the cards this week as we take a trip to our friends on the other side to look at classic number 49, 2009's The Princess and the Frog. Open up the window, let in the light, children! I'm Chris Fletcher. The kids would be nice, yes. I'm Lucy Rain. And I'm sweating like a sinner in a church. Hello, I'm Hugh Rain. haven't worked out what to do with that bit yet have we yeah <laughs> um, yeah now i know that i've lost a bit of weight recently but i've just realized i look like i'm very tiny next to you two yeah you did gonna... <laughs> is that better <laughs> chris uh audio listeners chris has made himself huge on our video version i pretend myself to a normal size now there you go that's better <laughs> how are we both very good. Now, You're okay. But Chris, how are you? Because you've uh, you've had your first jab and you were yeah. feeling a bit earlier today, weren't you? Yeah. Do you know, at the beginning of the day, I thought I was going to have to say, look, we need to have another week off uh, recording the classics. Obviously, we missed last week because Lucy was um, without voice. Um, but she's all back in with voice again now. Um, but yeah, I've been having dizzy spells. I had my jab on Thursday at uh, at the McAlpine Stadium that's called the John Smith Stadium now in Huddersfield and mm-hmm. it was it was very pleasant do you know there was no real queue there wasn't any waiting around it didn't hurt when they put the needle in like I didn't even feel it and and uh, I was okay and then on Friday I felt a little bit queasy and like not great I haven't had a temperature or anything or uh, headaches particularly but I've just had a little bit of nausea and dizziness and and today I felt really quite faint but I don't know I'm, I'm all right at the moment I feel pretty good mm. yeah you know, good. Yeah, well, good. well, you look fine. Thank you. But actually, yeah, Chris, because uh, we see you every week, but um, yeah. we dropped off a present for your son last weekend, and mm. we didn't say this, say this at the time, which we should have done. But when we got in the car, we said Chris and Laura both like looking very trim. Well, you know, be- between us, effect? we've we've lost um, like three and a half, nearly four stone since, since February. So, <laughs> so yeah, wow, um, it's it's been um, that's really a easy actually. Like it's it's bizarre, and, I, and I'm not going to say how or why or what we've been doing, but but basically, this guy who's become this YouTube sensation during lockdown um, has, uh, particularly for kids, um, has um, has started this whole um, whatever health kick type thing, and it's all about the exercise and eating better, and and rather than doing like your slimming worlds and stuff where you can eat unlimited food but it's all carbs, it's just healthy eating and decent sized portions and it's been we've never felt hungry we're eating really nice food it's just it's been great been great really really good um yeah wow. and i feel well healthy apart from that stupid illness from being stabbed in the arm on thursday <laughs> that's all rather inspiring isn't it yeah mm. and speaking of sticking needles into people like you would do with a voodoo doll today we're going to talk about the princess and the frog Nice. Good work. I really do look very tiny next to you today. Um, and no, Is it because I'm leaning forward? Uh, it could yeah. be, and I'm not. So I'm just going to just gently increase myself slightly because I, I kind of look like, you know, the shrunken heads in, in um, uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's what I feel like anyway. anyway. <laughs> While you're doing that, shall I give you a little background on The Princess and the Frog? Yeah, let me play some music first. Some, some very apt music, in fact. Mm. Okay. It's time to dig a little deeper to learn some Disney stuff. Dig a little deeper. No, we ain't dug this far enough. Dig deep into the facts. We'll find out what we need. Okay, so this was released in on the 25th of November 2009. It's indirectly based on the grim fairy tale The Frog Prince. Mm-hmm. A novel that was based on The Frog Prince, The Frog Princess by E.D. Baker. So it's actually based on The Frog Princess, which is based on The Frog Prince. I was going to ask, because I always think of this as The Frog Princess, or uh, maybe I was confused, but I was going to say, why isn't it called The Frog Princess? And I was expecting you to have bells ringing today because of that. I I was expecting you to be tinging us all the time. For, for, uh, I, for calling it the princess. The I princess. have an answer to that, Hugh, and it will come up in due course. Um, it was directed by Clement and Musker, who directed Little Mermaid, Aladdin and Hercules, three of the best Disney films ever made, in mm-hmm. my honest opinion. Um, it's a return to 2D animation, the first since that big hit Home on the Range in 2004. Yeah, like, it, this was like a big thing, like, John Lasseter comes along and he's like, I oh, know I want to do a 2D film, let's get back to 2D. Mm. It was only five years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly, that's that's kind of the attitude that goes with it. Um, the turnaround came when they purchased Pixar, and I think there was half an idea that Pixar would do the CG stuff and Disney would continue to do the 2D stuff. So it was differentiating in style and things. But I, I think that was slightly short-sighted into just how advanced um, CG and prevalent CG would become. So it's basically, it's like people still trying to make movies on eight millimetre cameras, isn't it? If you limit them to just doing 2D from then on. Mm. Um, but it was a stylistic choice as well. He said that they wanted, um, he wanted to take away all the 2D trying to look like 3D uh, out of the mix the way it had done. Remember in like Basil and the Great Mouse Detective when they had those big sequences? He Cogs, all that, that stuff that annoyed me. Stuff stuff like the Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And and he got rid of the uh, well, I don't think they got rid of caps, but they didn't want it to look like they were using caps, mm-hmm. which is a computer animated thing. Um, and he said that he the the inspiration was coming from Lady and the Tramp primarily, which he's uh, he saw as the there was a good word the pinnacle the pinnacle of Disney art. I think from after that it all went into the Xerox era. Before that, the golden age had a. It was it was very very labour intensive, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But to have those painted backgrounds and that line fluidity in the characters, that's what they were going for when they made the decision to go back to two two uh, D. And we can, we can talk about all that when we get to animations. There's there's a lot to say about what that brought to the film, isn't there? Um, 
it, they had to rehire people to do this because they had literally gone home on the range. That's going to be our last 2D animated thing. So anyone with those skills and only those skills Get out. were made redundant, including, and they weren't made redundant, but they had left the company, Clement and Musker. Um, they'd both gone and found other jobs doing other things elsewhere. And I like, they, <laughs> I like the idea that they were brought out of retirement for yeah. one last job. I know I don't do that anymore. Uh, I'm getting too old I for just, this. <laughs> I'm just on the ranch with my horses. Mm. No, I don't do that anymore. Then. So I, I think, I mean, John Lester's not daft. He'd gone everything in well. the last... <laughs> All right. Okay. In More 2009, on <laughs> one would have said, John Lester's not daft. Um, he'd kind of... He'd, Look, it made this decision to go back to when Disney was successful because they'd had an abysmal 10 years up to this point. Well, eight. They had an abysmal eight, eight years up to this point. And it gone, when was it good? When Clement and Musco were making hits because of an incredibly lucrative decade. Those are three of the most well-respected films. So we brought them back, quite mm. rightly. Like uh, Tony Stark approaching people, we're putting together a team. Yeah, <laughs> you sounded Northern Irish then. <laughs> no, you, you said that before when I've tried to do an impression of um, mm. Robert Downey Jr. Um, let's try that again with, with a Mobius strip, please. Uh, yeah, we watched that. <laughs> In the night. shape of a Mobius strip, please. That's I, it, a different conversation. I love Infinity War and Endgame so much. I think they are near perfect movies, but the worst bit has to come when he just he solves time travel after dinner. It's a bit annoying. After dinner. Yeah. <laughs> And then he goes up to, yeah, well... Yeah, we'll get, in we'll, we'll, we'll get into all those yeah, <laughs> some of the time. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so it's the first African-American princess, um, which, as I was writing these notes, of course, we know it's the first African-American princess, but it's unbelievable when you think that that is 70 years, 68 years into the Disney uh, company history that this is the first time we've had an African-American mm-hmm. um, protagonist of any kind, really. It's bonkers. Um, anyway, it is. Uh, but when it was initially released um, three years prior to it being to its premiere, as in the concept was released, we are, this is in production, it was heavily criticised not because it was an African-American princess, if you think of where, when in history it was, but because the optics just weren't right on it. Now, a few things that were criticised was Tiana's in, original name was Maddie, and this sounded too close to Mami, which is the traditional name of a, you know, a, a, a black nanny, isn't it, within a family, okay. within a Southern family, and they felt that that was quite reductive. Um, she was originally a chambermaid instead of a, a waitress. She worked for Charlotte. Again, they found that quite reductive and it meant that the optics would have her in quite a lot of very lowly circumstances. Mm. So giving her her own job and her own her own choices to work two jobs, it was very deliberate. They needed to give her some agency within her own life. And also... Um, the love interest being a non-black prince. Originally, he was designed to be a European um, prince and that was uh, changed. I mean, they haven't made him African-American, but I believe he's meant to be Moroccan or Libyan because he's mm-hmm. French-speaking. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of North Africa is is all French-speaking, isn't it? Have you heard this criticism about um, black characters, uh, uh, you know, starting to be featured more, but... 
they're often in, in, in animation being transformed into something. Oh. And that struck me watching this. I was like, that's that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, we, like what's we, that secret agent pigeon? Yeah, is that one? Yeah, uh, yeah. but there's a, there's a number of examples. Does soul uh, count with that as well. Yes, it. Yeah, I was thinking of soul. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that that was brought up before it was released, but once you'd watched it, you realise he actually spends a lot more time as a human than he does mm, as a, mm. a thought, doesn't he? But yeah, it's like with cats. Well, no, he's a cat. Oh, he is. But his human form is on screen for a long time. Well, it's just something I noted yeah. anyway. I don't want to get too, too no. heavy on that, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's like we wouldn't be happy to sit and watch them for the whole movie. It's bonkers. Um, the other slightly off-centre racial criticism it got was the title of The Frog Princess was not received well with the French-Canadian community. Oh. Because Ooh. it was just the frog princess was seen as a racial slur towards the French, so that's why the script took ah okay the princess yeah and the frog. yeah huh. that's the answer that that is the answer and it did have a working title of the frog princess and that is the reason it was changed so there you go um, Don uh, amongst all this Oprah bless her was brought on as a consultant. With during the story writing, this is after all this initial con- controversy because she is apparently the spokesperson for what offends black people. Uh, there you go, that's Oprah's role within this. And then she was also given a speaking role. Do you know who she was? She was a mother, wasn't she? She was, she was Tiana's mother. Yeah, so that's brought me on to the um, the casting. That's how and why. Oprah was cast as Tiana's mother. Um, Anika Nonny Rose was uh, from Dreamgirls was cast as Tiana. Um, but also in the offing were um, Alicia Keys had actually actively, once she found out there's an African-American princess, she'd actively contacted Disney and said, me, please, me. But they'd, uh, they'd already cast uh, mm-hmm. Anika Nonny Rose at this point. Jim Cummings plays Ray. And uh, known for doing one well, these days, he does most of the Winnie the Pooh characters. Pooh and Tigger, yeah. Pooh and Tigger, but he does ER as well, doesn't he? Uh, does he? Maybe. Wasn't it the guy who plays Mike Ehrmantraut in um, Breaking Bad who did ER? Yeah, he, the, yeah, he has done in, it yeah. in the film. Oh, yeah. in okay. the live action film. Yeah, he has done it. Right. And then we also it, have. I think it was, yeah. Who else is in this film, Chris? Are you going to say... Where's Welker? Welker. <gasps> is he? He is. He's on I... the Wikipedia page. Well, there you go. I do it by, via IMDb and he wasn't listed as having been in it, so I haven't well, even got is... the jingle ready. So if you hang on a second. Where's Welker? Where is he? <laughs> he is Stella the dog. Is that right? I did hand. not know that. There you go. I... Do you know, not only that, I went to lengths. I went to lengths to, uh, yesterday to look and see what he was up to because he wasn't in it. Um, How and because old is Hugh he? posted a, um, a amendment. A... Pardon? It's uh, Brad Garrett, who's uh, ER in ah. the Christopher Robin film. Where, where did I get Mike Herman trout from? I don't know. He sounds like him. I think that was all it was. Mm. Um, no, yeah. Oh, uh, who, who, who was it, sorry? Brad Garrett. Who's that? Uh, I recognise him. I don't know why. What's he from? Uh, is he the guy who's in. Um... 
Oh, I don't know. Is it Raymond's brother? Is it? Was, I think it is Raymond's brother. It's him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That is who it is. It's, it's, it's the guy that I get mixed up with. Uh, with the other guy, who's Warburton. Who's Patrick cool. Warburton. Patrick Warburton. Uh, interestingly, Patrick Warburton did a voice in Skylanders, and and Mike from Breaking Bad also did a voice in the TV series of Skylanders. There you go. So we've gone full circle. And Back isn't Brad Garrett the voice of Marshmallow? <laughs> go away! I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> we are pinging all over the place. Yes, voice of Marshmallow. Don Hall, who would go on to write and direct Big Hero Six, was the the head writer. No, on it's, this. it's not. Paul Briggs <laughs> is the voice. Oh, hang on. Oh, that might, oh, I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> and he said he wanted a princess movie for Pete for those who don't like princess movies. So that was his uh, mo when he did this. Excuse me, I'm going to hiccup again. Excuse me, that's what you get for drinking fizzy pop on a podcast. <laughs> they used a choreographer to work on the dance sequences and get the various 20s and 30s styles correct within the jazz era. It's very cotton club, mm-hmm. that kind of style. Um, oh, no, and I didn't write this name down. Uh, I was doing my research and then we suddenly had to go out to meet some friends and uh, at that point I was reading about the the Art Deco style um, that was used for the Tiana's Place, mm-hmm. almost there. It was it was based on a really famous um, African-American artist who was part of the, the Harlem Revolution um, where a lot of, uh, of black music, art, culture, dance all came together. Now, the thing is, I have studied this um, by studying the Cotton Club uh, as a dance specialist. It was uh, it was where Duke Ellington was the house band. Uh, and it's a really, really interesting era in history. And it's a really interesting era of art. And I'm kicking myself. When you two talk later, You're I'm going to find out the artist's out, yeah. name because it is really good. Alan Menken was considered and I believe hired for this movie, but Enchanted was released the year before and they just felt like they needed a contrast in style. Um, and plus they were using Clement and Musker again and they wanted mm-hmm. to differentiate this. Aaron Douglas. Is he the artist? Toon Boom Harmony Pipeline was almost the, the, the dream sequence, um, which utilised art deco graphic style based on out of Harlem Renaissance painter Aaron Douglas. There we are. Yeah, look him up. There's some really good stuff. And <laughs> while you're has. at it, just just look. I, I mean, I'm talking to the listeners. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> while you're at it, um, look up Cotton Club era films, dance, etc. Oh, really lovely. Oh, it's very nice. Mm. Um, so I, I am looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've lost just so it was. It was too similar. So John Lasseter had previously worked with Randy Newman on Toy Story, uh, but he was appealing for two reasons. Number one, he was primarily a jazz composer uh, prior to working on films. And even though his his work on Toy Story had been quite country in, in style, that was a choice for Woody. Initially, he was a jazz composer. And secondly, he grew up in New Orleans, so he felt there would be an affection there. Mm. And I think this is one of the most music-heavy movies we've had in a long, 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 long time, probably Mm. since the Renaissance, Yeah, I think. Yeah. I have no figures on that. I can't even think. Um, The the last actual music was probably Emperor's New Groove, and that doesn't really count because there was hardly any songs No, it's only got one and yeah. uh, the relationship with Sting was not a no, pleasant so, one as we know so yeah 
ages ago. Looking back. Through. Tarzan? Tarzan? Tarzan was 99 and that had... Yeah, probably Tarzan. But I, I again, I don't consider that a musical because... Home on the Range oh, had songs. Yes, it did. Uh, was it all non-diegetic there? Was it all... Mm. Not a musical where the characters... No, there was, a, there was a big bit when the when they Pied Pipery guy had a big song about loving... Oh, there was. Cat there was. I've like. blocked that whole movie from my memory. <laughs> right, guys. Do- I do. I know I've said my voice is better this week, but you need a rest. <laughs> I do. Do you know what? I do. I'm feeling it. You you had a lot to talk about there, Lucy. I which, did. let's be honest, I haven't for a while. It's been slim pickings for a while, hasn't it? So, well, it's like there. they have actual artistic references and they have thoughts and reasons behind things, and the amount of someone pitched an idea, the exec said yes, and they made it that we've had over the last ten years has been. <sighs> Yeah. There you go. Yep. So, for the benefit of Gergi and uh, and Peter up there, and anybody oh, else no. who doesn't listen to this podcast on a regular basis or watch it, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about this film in terms of its story, then we're going to talk about it in terms of its animation, and then we're going to talk about it in terms of its music. But before that, what are we going to do, Hugh? Uh, we're going to um, summarise the story through the medium of the children. <laughs> watched Princess and the Frog. The Princess and the Frog is about a person who wants a restaurant and she said when she was a kid she never ever ever would kiss a frog. So a prince comes to town called Prince Naveen of I don't know what place it is and he's turned into a frog by Dr. Facilla Facilier and then he went to see uh, Tiana, that's her name, and Tiana kisses the frog, which makes her a frog because she's an princess, she's a waitress. So they went into the jungle, crocodiles tried to get them, but there was a friendly crocodile because he likes to play instruments. Then they go to Mama Odie and... She does it, and Priscilla, Priscilla, lets these shadow monsters come. They learn what they needed to do. They needed to ta- to get to Tiana's friend before midnight, and then she would kiss Prince Naveen, and then Tiana and Prince Naveen. Oh yeah, I forgot to add one character. Their name is like Ray, and it's a firefly. Um, for those of you that can't see this, which is everyone. Um, Lucas is waving his hands around in a firefly motion. Then Tiana and Naveen get married and Ray was killed by Facilier. He stepped on him and that made him human again because that turned Tiana into a prince and they kissed because they married. So they were human. The end. My favourite bit was... When they sang, I'm almost there, because there was, like, loads. It was cool. My favourite bit was the end. My favourite character was Louis the Crocodile, cause he was, because he was, like, really funny. And, and they have three paper persons, and they were the, the two frogs and the crocodile. I said, did it sounded like Toy Story music? 
That's because the same man wrote it. My favourite song was You Gotta Dig All Deeper. I don't have much to say about it, but I'll give it a three out of five. I would give it a four out of five. Mm, a six out of 100 million. A six out of 100 million? I mean, seven out of 100 million. All right, that makes more sense. So there you go. Um, yeah. Now, Bonnie, Bonnie didn't have a lot to say there. Um, she's, I think what didn't help was she watched The Little Mermaid in its entirety just before this. And then this went on straight after. By that point, she was getting a bit fidgety. Princess Um, fatigue. (laughs) Yeah. And she's feeling a bit of the pressure, I think, having to record it at the moment. I just, I don't know. I thought she'd have a lot to say about this film, but she was on her iPad for some of it. Um, She has seen it before, but... Mm. She wasn't massively engaged, but I think that was an environmental issue rather than the actual uh, thing we were watching. So, yeah, Lucas Where, uh, did well, the Lucas talk. Lucas talked for longer than the actual film was, so I don't, I don't know how yeah. you managed to edit it the way that you did. I cut it down to less than three minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I even sped it, sped it up a little bit to get it under the two, the three-minute three mark. But uh, There we are. Do you know what? When he's off on one... Like that when he's talking when he's talking about literally everything that happens, it's actually easier to, to like just go right. We don't need that. We don't need that. But if if he's doing one and a half minutes of absolute gems, then I've got to keep them all. So yeah. it's, it's easier if he just if you just, just let him go. It off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And Bonnie said like ten seconds worth of stuff. <laughs> right then. Shame. Should we go about, go into the story then? Hmm. So it's time to discuss how the story goes. I know it can be worse than Oliver and Co. <laughs> it's really hard right. to nod our heads in time. Yeah, in the same we were direction. trying to. Any listeners, we were trying to for the video. We were we were trying to nod. But, but halfway through, we realised we were nodding our heads from side to side, and I tried to join in, and for some reason, I really struggled. But you're, you're <laughs> I, I'm. Not actually in between you two right now, but you two are actually next to each other. So if you were going the same way as each other, it would have been right. So I'm not quite sure what what happened then, Hugh. Uh, it's just it's it's mirror teaching. It's difficult. It is very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now, story. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Go well, on. Here's the thing about this film. Um, I, previously, when, when I've seen this a couple of times before, but um, the location didn't really appeal to me. It was kind of something I didn't really know too much about. And sometimes, you, you know, you think, um, oh, well, that's good. Like, let's get to know about it. Sometimes you think, oh, maybe it's not for me. But um, you know what's got me into this this world, this, this New Orleans world, and especially this Disney version, is just because uh, we almost stayed at Port Orleans in um, mm. Disney World, but we had to move it, and now we're at a different resort if, you know, if we go. Um and, that. and that's actually got that's actually got me into the, the the idea of the place. And so this time when I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, I get it now," mm. uh, which is ridiculous. It's like saying I get it because you know we almost stayed in a Disney resort, but it is a Disney film, so that kind of counts. Yeah. And all, so this time I was like, "Yes," and the lushness of the like the the bayou and everything just suddenly I found massively appealing, where I haven't before. Well, so so for me, I I'd not seen this film until something like six months ago. It was one I was really looking forward to because I'd heard good things about it. Um, but I didn't know where it was set. I knew very little about it at all. So the first time I watched it, I, I watched absolutely agog because as a kid, and, and I, thought, I hate James Bond films, just, just I'm going to put that out there right now. But as a kid, 
I absolutely loved Live and Let Die. I mean, I passionately loved it. And I know Jen Seymour probably had something to do with that. But I just loved that film. And I and it it gave me this love of um of that New Orleans style brass band, of of um the the whole kind of idea of the buyer and all, all just everything about it. I just loved the whole voodoo side of things as well. Then as a kid also, I played a lot of Monkey Island. And Monkey Island as well as being a pirate based computer game is also there's a lot of voodoo and stuff in it so this just straight away appealed massively to me um and and yeah i just i love the whole setting absolutely love it and i do love a jambalaya oh i've been to new orleans um and it's very like that i've been around the french quarter um not during mardi gras i think it was just after mardi gras and I've, we also did, because basically we were on a Caribbean cruise with my parents for their 25th wedding anniversary. I was about 15 and um, we did a part excursion. So it was a bit like a, it was a coach trip. You get 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there. Mm. But we went to a New Orleans cemetery and they are incredibly new, unique and incredibly interesting because they stack the bodies and you've got natural subsidence and so they they have to sort of take the bottom body and put it on top and stuff as because it's all built in a swamp and so to to watch it and recognize it to be able to recognize those balconies and the style and the the width of the street but all the sequences that take place in the um graveyards which i remember vividly being so interested in Mm. uh was uh, yeah fabulous so i don't know i don't know where to go with the story here do we we start telling it like we normally do like because the first thing i would like to say is this that the whole bit where she's she's uh with her dad making the jambalaya and is that what it's called right gumbo it's because you said jambalaya a minute ago (laughs) But when they're making the gumbo and then she runs outside and goes, I've made gumbo and everybody all comes together, that whole community spirit there, I just love it. You've, you've mm. got instantly this really warm feeling about about all of the characters, everything that's going on there. And and I know we'll talk about music later, but they've got this whole kind of, um, like this theme going on with it. And it just really sets the scene beautifully well at the start, I think. That was an addition from Don Hall. Um, They'd got the frame of the story, but they wanted to give her more than financial ambition. They they didn't want it just to be she was poor, so her ambition was to be rich, Mm. and that's why she wanted to open the the restaurant. So really playing heavily on she wanted the restaurant to bring people together, that food was love, that food is part of a family experience. It was very, very deliberate. It's great, that isn't it? Just and I'm, the, so I'm really glad that you, like, you responded to that, Chris. I so completely that, you know, did. It worked. I mean, that—that's—that's <laughs> that's what's so alluring about her as a character. Just right off the bat, from the beginning, you just you're invested in her as a person, as a, as a little kid. You're invested in her and who she is, and um, and you see what her father's like. And and as soon as you see her growing up, you see all those traits of him in her and her ambition and her drive and her purpose is just so clear. I, I just, I, I love that. I love the way that they define that character. I just love it. So I might be skipping ahead a bit here. I had the same response, Chris. I, she's one of the most admirable, um, what's the word, role models mm. for as a princess that I can think of. In fact, she's just kind of become one of my favourite princesses this morning through watching this. 
And my one of my problems with the story is I don't think Naveen is worthy of her. Even with his character arc, I don't feel it's quite enough. Uh, no. I get why he would fall in love with her, but I don't see why she would fall in love with it's him. It's interesting you say that because when, again, we skipped a big chunk here, but when they're travelling um, with Lewis down the bayou and and they're talking and she's talking about how driven she is and how he's never worked a day in his life, she's actually pretty awful at that point in time. She's mm. very, very, you know, high high opinion of herself. And it shows that she's not a perfect person straight away there. And he's shown that he's not as well. And I think, I think the reason that, that they, they are matched, the reason that they work together is because they're different and they bring out the best in each other. And I think that's what they've kind of gone for. Whether it's worked fully, I don't know, but I, I do think that they do put some time into showing that, you know, that, that person that she is and how driven she is and, and passionate she is, is all there, but it also makes her quite high and mighty at times with it. And, yeah. But if, I mean, he was able to learn from her, you know, I thought the dicing the mushrooms was a good, mm. you know, pathway for him. He was able to learn from her something about that, you know, valuing things and earning things and the joy in that. If she'd been able to learn from him the importance of living in the moment and smelling the roses, if that had been the the lesson that they'd settled on I think I would have been satisfied but he didn't really do that either I mean no, he I loved suppose. jazz and he loved having fun but I don't think he appreciated um th that kind of freedom and that enjoyment I mean he knew that she didn't have it and he did he could do what the heck he liked he was just running around having a laugh she was doing the opposite but it wasn't quite I don't know yeah worthy enough I think yeah all right I, I'll give you that <laughs> I was uh, I was actually quite surprised, you know, when the, when the guy says uh, a little woman of your background, and I thought, oh, what? you know, um, you know, there's only so, there's only so far they can go uh, into that in a Disney film. But I was glad to see it wasn't completely swept under the carpet. That was that was an issue, you mm -hmm. know, was that guy saying that to her? Mm -hmm. So I thought it was uh, a, a bold move, and I liked it. I liked you know that issue being brought up, even in that minor way. But <clears throat> well, you know, one thing that was not brought up at all is this is meant to be set in the deep south in the 20s and 30s when it was in the full throw of the dream, Jim Crow laws mm. and that isn't touched on at all in fact when they show um Tiana's place in both the flashbacks and the big finale it's um multiracial which mm. it it wouldn't have been that must I mean they the people at Disney knew that that was a decision they made. And I suppose mm. it was a decision they had to make. Because like you say, they can't go into the where's and the why's and the rights and the mm. wrongs of it. But I don't know. I don't know how certain communities would take of that whitewashing. Mm. Yes. Um, tip jars. Can I just, can we just talk about tip jars for a second? Mm. Um, so she, she gets back home after a, a busy day's work. And she's got she's got her tips. She hasn't got very money, but very very many today. But you know, it all counts, doesn't it? She opens up this tiny little drawer, opens up a jar, puts her money into a jar, screws the lid back on, puts it back in this cavernous cupboard with eight or nine tip jars in it, and then shuts this little tiny little cupboard door again. Oh, okay. She yeah, she has a lot of money in that very very small drawer. That that's all. Um, 
<laughs> I thought you were going to point out that it, it just my compulsion to count that money. You know, it was all just in random. She had no idea how oh, much no, she got. She's saving up for a restaurant. Do you know what I do? No idea. The kind of thing I would do, I would lay it all out on the floor in the toilet so I could look at it while having a poo. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you hate when... What, what's her friend called? Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Don't you hate when Charlotte goes, here you go, make me some bayonets and throws money at her. Yeah. Isn't it just horrible? I, I know it's... Beignets. It's kind of... Be, beignets, sorry, yeah. It, isn't it, it... It's kind of a... You should have dinged me then, Hugh. Um, Let you off. <laughs> it, and it's a nice thing because suddenly she's got the money to, to buy the place and, and that's great. But the whole kind of thing behind it is just a bit awful, isn't it? Yeah. Stop what you're I doing mean, and go make me some food. If, if, oh, yeah, absolutely. You don't say it again. And they're, they're meant to be lifelong friends as well. I know there's a social difference there, but they are meant to be lifelong friends. Mm. And if it was that easy, if she's that affluent, that she could just get it out of her daddy's pocket, beignets or no beignets, you'd think, why haven't you? Mm. I mean, even if Tiana didn't want charity, think I'd say, can you make my birthday cake for me? Here's $500, you or, know. You know, just... could it be like, you know, could it be a partner or something? Yeah. Here's exactly the money you need to buy the property was, that you want. It was a yeah. bit vulgar, wasn't it? Talking of Charlotte, um, the first time I watched this, which is probably 2010, if this came out, 2009, mm. I thought that she was going to be a villain all the way. And I was genuinely surprised when we got to the end of the movie and she wasn't. And now that I watch it again, I find her quite sweet mm. and amiable. But um, she's just, she's set up to be awful, isn't she? Well, there's, there's some nice gifts of, of her. She's, she's quite she's quite gifable, but that's because mm. she just never stops moving. Um, in, mm. in that... I think it's the same scene again when she, when she's there with with their big daddy in in the in the calf restaurant place. She's just it, it's horrible to watch. It's really horrible to watch the way she's just like jittering in front of him the whole time. Tell him, big daddy. Tell him, big daddy. Mm. It, it, I, I've wanted to pull my eyes out a couple of times um, with with how overly energetic, particularly her, but other characters as well at times were just it was just too in your face. Um, I found I found it quite uh, jarring. Mm. Jarring. I liked the way they introduced her. So after she's she turns into a frog, mm. I like the way they introduced the uh, you know the fact that they can talk to the animals because they're floating away in a balloon and a dog chases them and <laughs> yeah. just as a dog jumps up to bite, she she says something to the dog and the dog goes Tiana and then as they float away, she says I just understood that dog and he's like oh we don't have time for that but I just thought it was a just a neat little storytelling device of them. Just, yeah. just introducing the idea, you know. So that, so that's kind of exposition of that out of the way now. Like, yeah. oh, they can talk to animals just because that dog went Tiana. Very clever. I liked that. I thought it was I neat. didn't notice that when I'd watched it before, and uh, but I did notice it this time. I think I thought it was very clever. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just darting around at this point. Um, <laughs> and actually, do you know what? What watching it, I was. I need to sit and watch this again properly because. Um, I've watched it three times now and I'm still piecing it together. I'm still like, hang on a minute, when did he turn into a frog? Uh, hang on a minute, when did, you know, this happen and that happen? There's still some pieces of the puzzle missing for me. I think I always kind of, I I don't get a handle on where Ray comes in. 
He's kind of his suddenly there. He just floats in and then he's yeah. with him the whole for the and whole he's journey. The, he's the best mate and the crying at his um, funeral and things. Oh, that was a great moment. <laughs> so, so we're about I don't know fifty minutes through through the film yesterday. Laura has sat down when it's been on before, but never really watched any of it. Fallen asleep or not really been paying attention. Lucas <laughs> Lucas goes, uh, "Ray's going to die," you know. <laughs> Laura's like, oh. oh, spoilers. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, uh, his death, it's one of the saddest in cinema. And the way it's done as well, just a little crunch under the shoe. It's just like, not in the, he's, he, you know, he's nothing to um, facilitate, and he just crushes him under his foot, and oh, it's horrible. Mm. And, oh, and when his little light goes out. I know. But, but, but eventually... Yeah, it's worth it in the end for that payoff. It mm. is, it is. How do, you, how do you find him as a character? I love him. Ray or Facilier? Ray. Sorry, Ray. Ray. I love him. I'm, <laughs> I just love him. I'm not keen visually. I, I, don't, I don't know. He's, um, he's a bit icky to look at. But uh, He's all gummy, isn't he? But like, yeah. Like if, if he was real, he'd, be, he'd pr- probably be gross and a bit smelly. But because um, he's, you know, he's like a Disney character, he, I just want to give him a hug. He's got big expressive eyes and I just love, I love him. It's his voice that I find a bit, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what I would have done differently, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a clue. But there's something about the voice that just doesn't sit with anything else in the film. And and I found it a little bit strange. But I do I really mm. do like the character. and, and uh, Because it, it, there's so much heart there, isn't there? Mm. You know, it, it's just constantly just... Yeah, I just think he's a great character. I, I'm just not particularly happy with the voice. But also, he's, I mean, what they do with him is good. I think this being in love with the star eventually, I think that's just lovely. And when we get to music, we'll talk about that as well. But is he needed in this story? It would If you took him out, reworked a couple of scenes, would you miss him? Uh, I think, well, he doesn't drive the story forward, really, but... Those moments and the, the payoff of his, his star appearing um, are so nice. Little subplot. Like, there would be, that, that little, that little uh, dash of magic would be missing from the film if it didn't I, have I think that. you're right. I think the magic would be missing. So, I think if, if that's all he's there for, fine. Maybe, yeah. maybe, he, could, maybe he could have been integrated a bit better, but uh, it's still worth it in being there. Okay. Yeah. Can we talk about voodoo? Mm. Do you... Do. I do. I do do voodoo. Do you? You could have said Hugh as well at the end. Hugh? Oh, you're so close there. <laughs> oh, poo. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the whole idea of voodoo and stuff. I said this already. Um, so I, I was absolutely on, on board with this. And, and wherever you have a facilier type character, you have a um, Madame Odie. Odie? Odie? Yeah type mm-hmm. character as well. This, this seems to go hand in hand. You have this evil, horrible guy and you have this um, nice, um, magical, mystical woman. Um, I, I just... Do you not find the whole voodoo story gets a little bit confusing? Like what Facilier is doing and why he's doing it and what he's paid well, off. Well, he's the tail wagging the dog. Here's another thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm still piecing the puzzle together. Like, I don't understand why... Uh, that guy had to look like Naveen. I missed that. No, I was writing notes. I don't get because it's what he wants. What's going on? It's because he wants. It's what he wants. 
Is that it? He wants to be his master, and his master wants money, but the money, yeah. money to Facilier is green, and green is a frog. And Facilier um, wants to control the little uh, <sighs> butler man. Um so that he can't be Naveen without him. And therefore, yeah. if he's Prince and he owns all of New Orleans and all this kind of thing, then Facilier owns all of New Orleans. But then the voodoo thing that gets confusing is I believe there's a general thing in voodoo that if you use the powers, you you, you owe something back. Mm-hmm. And so by using, getting his friends to do this, he, he owed him something. And then when he wasn't able to deliver at the end, that's why he got his payback at the end. Um, Do I think he looks a bit like David Tomlinson? I suppose he does a bit, yeah, yeah. I could the, do that. the big ears and the, the the little the little short nose. Oh yeah, I suppose mm. so. I, I think there's something in that. Um, these <laughs> monsters that are shadows on the wall. Mm. This these have been used in several different things. Now, one that springs to mind is Fantasia. That was racking my brains of when else have been used, but they are always so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any other animated things that have used the, the shadows as monsters? Boogie boogie. Boogie man. boogie. There you go. That's what I was trying to think of. Whoa. But it's such a terrifying Whoa. concept. And also because the first couple of times it's introduced, you're not sure you've seen it. <clears throat> you know, yeah. you're watching Facilia, your eyes on Facilia and then something in the corner of the screen moves differently and it's um it's a brilliant thing and interestingly we texted our mutual friend brookie this morning and said we're just watching princess and the frog we'll meet you at 12 and he went oh we tried to watch that last week but we couldn't get past the scary voodoo man apparently (laughs) peter had needed them to turn it off oh poor peter Mm. yeah we yeah i've only got one criticism really and uh, that's, uh, I was a bit uncomfortable with um, Charlotte waiting until Naveen's brother is old enough. <laughs> I'm <laughs> six. End, he's like, and she says, well, I've waited this long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is creepy. Especially, a little bit female, especially see, if it, it was the other way around. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like Padme yeah. creepy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, all that whole, like, you know, waiting for Charlotte Church to come of age, that whole creepy thing. It just, I, I just, it just made, it just made me raise my eyebrow. I know it's a little comical moment, you know, and it's, it shouldn't mean too much into it, but I just thought, that's just a bit... It's not, it's not even a comical moment, actually, because if you take away that awkwardness of it, what it basically means is she wants to marry into royalty and have all the money. So it's all just about money. So mm. she's learned nothing from this whole journey. But then I guess she wasn't really involved in the journey, was she? Mm. Um, I, any criticisms I have of, of the story, I think, uh, are nitpicking, really, because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this film. <laughs> there we go. Should we yeah. score it? It's a hidden gem. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll let you two go first, because I'm a bit undecided. Uh, uh, this, I've, I've, I've got a figure in mind, but I want to hear what you guys think. I, I think this is an underrated Disney film. I think a surprising number of people haven't seen it, <clears throat> and I'm not entirely sure why. I think the story is strong. It's not without faults in places, and I somehow, unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever be A Little Mermaid. But having said that, I'm going to give it an eight. I think there are some... We haven't even talked about the, the crocodile. What's it called? Louis, Louis. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's some great characters in this um, and great characterizations. We've talked in the past about uh, weak voice acting, and as much as I wasn't keen on 
Ray's voice. It wasn't a criticism of 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 the act the performance there. I think there's some really strong performances in this throughout. Um I, I think it's a great story. I just think that maybe the whole voodoo story is just it's it's not firmed up enough, so none of it's quite clear what's going on or why it's happening. Um and so for that reason I'm gonna give it an eight. I'm going to give it a nine. Uh, I was close to giving it a 10 because I enjoy it so much. But then, like I say, it's on, after three watches, I'm still not, st- the, the story's still not clear enough in my mind where I'm like, hang on, why is he doing that? I think it's just enough for me to give it a nine. Cool. As opposed to a 10, but ooh, it's close. Mm. Animation? Let's mm-hmm. look at the animation you, the characterization you, and don't forget the background and the style. Yeah, man. Um, cool, that was an uncomfortable silence there for a second. It was, wasn't it? I'm, 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 I'm adding up. Oops. I hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> um, okay, animation then. Um, isn't it refreshing, even though it's only been five years, to have some 2D animation again? And, you know, all the stuff that you said, Lucy, about um, about them trying to hide the caps and the, the blatant CG... This is when when we were talking about Lilo and Stitch, and we were talking about those films, and saying this is the pinnacle of of that two D animation. This this is just this is pinnacle. It, it's it, pinnacle. It, it it is yeah. It it it's oh, I just think it is glorious to look at, and um, and to to stick in that that Art Deco stylized piece in almost there as well, which just that that in itself just lifts the whole thing as well. Mm. Just beginning to end beautiful to look at i think well i was going to say as well like uh, wouldn't it be nice because um like we've been watching a lot of cg films just in general like you know and seeing this it was like you know it is nice to watch 2d film especially of this quality um so it would be nice if they just kept that up and like every five years maybe they did another one um but i I can't imagine them pulling this off in 3d at that time you know just just uh, post bolt pre-tangled you know where it's just like it's getting there it's almost there but like to do the bayou and stuff in 3d mm. ooh, they would have struggled it would have it wouldn't have been as, as nice mm. as it is one of the um things that they wanted to do with the 2d animation was characters such as we've talked about them louis and ray mm. they said they wanted them to move in a way that they couldn't have um plausibly moved in 3D. I think what they mean is we talk about rubber hose animation, don't we? The way that Louis playing the saxophone, his body yeah. will stretch and bend. When you do a 3D model, you've really, you've built a solid model and all you can do is move it about. So they wouldn't have that fluidity and they really want to use it. And um, I was reading this as I was watching the film and I was like, yes, I'm just, that's what 3D is lacking, even brilliant 3D. It, it does lack that flexibility, doesn't it? So what mm. happened then, Lucy? I, I mean, uh, so, so Lassiter came into this and said, look, we want to go, we, we missed the days of, of, of 2D, so let, let's get back and do this It's again. been five it's years, been, guys. Been five whole years. But if you look back, it's, it's been quite a bit longer since we've done something really decent. Let's do something, let's do it well. And he put all this effort into doing it, and I'm assuming the film didn't do particularly well, and that was it. They went, do you know what? we're really good at this 3D stuff and this isn't working, so let's let's just axe it. And that, You'll have to wait till the end. Well, there you go. But that, that to me, that's a, that's a huge... The, 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 it must have been a decision because 
the, the build-up around this film, I remember at the time, you, you felt like we were getting back to what Disney films were supposed to be, but because everything had moved on so much, because, you know, you've got your Blue Skies and you've got DreamWorks building, you know, making these 3D films, you've got Pixar who are, you know, the best at doing it and now part of Disney as well. There's just this this need. And we're heading into this period of time now where you can't tell the difference between a Disney and a Pixar film. Um, and I think it's I'd, a real shame that, that that apart from Mary Poppins in a few years' time, this is it. I'd hate to disappoint you, Chris, but I can almost... I don't know the answer to that until probably we get on to the next film and then mm. I'll do my reading then. I can almost guarantee it is because it's so much cheaper to produce... We were watching a documentary on Marvel yesterday and they were saying to do with some of the actors' um, schedules, they had to bring a certain scene forward and it was cheaper and they, they needed to develop new costumes for some reason or another. And when they factored in the price of materials and fittings and everything, it was cheaper to CG on costumes so the actors are wearing dots and then they just CG'd the costumes on. And that is cheaper than sewing costumes. All those white costumes that they wear in Endgame, mm. the, t- the uh, quantum time-travelling costumes, are all CG. Really? Which is did not know crazy. That. <laughs> yeah. like, Rather, uh, that's easier. Yeah, than wow. making costumes. So if you're getting into that era of yeah, history where it's just that much cheaper, you really, if you're going to justify doing 2D, you need to be hmm. making, you need to be making billion dollar movies to justify doing it. Well, I think it's a crying shame because if you can mm. do it this well, why the hell mm. wouldn't you keep doing it? It's art for goodness sake. That, Once that's every 10 years, point. give us that at least. Yeah, I was exactly. Very, very engaged. Do it for the, you know, like the the sort of the heritage of just keeping that alive because it's Disney. Like, you know, they kind of owe it to themselves to to do that. Like, say, build like, a new multiplane camera. <laughs> Although, if they did it once every ten years and it was just like really bad, it'd be a shame, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was very engaged by the opening Zoom. Like, really engaged because it was very. Lady in the Tramp. Mm. Because I can never remember where Lady in the Tramp's meant to be set, but the architecture looks like it might be similar to, you know, the South. I remember mm. those wrought iron balconies. But it's yeah. also a very reminiscent of Pinocchio mm-hmm. and other things where you zoom into the house and the house is so beautiful and painted. You know, not that's when I thought, oh, I forgot that this was 2D. As daft as that is, mm. I'd forgotten it was going to be 2D. And the minute I saw that house, I was like, oh, I'm settling down under my blanket. Happy. Did Facilier remind anyone else of Jafar? No. no. He had a similar, he had a, okay. he had a similar <laughs> bone structure. And uh, I think, was it his eyes? It was his eyes as well. Um, it, it harkened back to that, that style. Mm-hmm. I, I that get style-wise, yes. I get, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what, yeah, that's you know, just... A, Brilliant design for a villain. They always are, though. We say this every time, don't they? The villains are always like the ones that you like. The the the, probably the animators want to work on those more than some of the other characters. You say that, but in the past, I found stuff like Isma was really grotesque. I know that was the point, but she was. And then there's others who become quite like I know Judge Claude Frollo again. He's got to be who he is. He's quite generic in his way. It just colour scheme, style, movements, fingers, brilliant design for villain. He's one of the ones you expect to see in the parks as well, I think. But when I was there at Halloween and they get they have all the villains coming on stage as if he's one of the ones that you want to see. Mm. He's uh 
great character, great character. I didn't like it when the frogs extended their legs. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah, they've got some hips. Every time they sort of crouched down with like your frog legs, I was like, it was okay. And then they spent a lot of time with them fully outstretched, mm. just walking around, and it looked so odd. Mm. Uh, I know the kind of, it's, you know, because the, the humans as frogs, but... Doing the chance. It, it, it just, uh, it, uh, every time it happened, I was a bit disappointed. I thought, oh, no, just sit, sit down, would you? <laughs> with your long legs. It's weird. Do you know what I really liked? Do you know, um, in the uh, in the almost there sequence, uh, the way that they transform the whole um, the whole warehouse, whatever you want to call it, the whole building, and they make it look like like a, like it's going to look when when they build it and stuff. That whole transformation in that, it, it just the the way they moved it was brilliant. And similarly, mm-hmm. um, the the transformation at the end when they become when they become human again, I think it's just it's it's rather glorious. It's beautiful to look at. Mm. There we are. I love Mamaro, the design of Mamarotti's boat in a tree. I really <laughs> like, uh, and it's it's uh, they're all magical settings. They're all really magical settings. Mm. Here's a hot take for you. I think I've said it before. Um, Tiana, I think Bonnie looks like Tiana. <laughs> Whenever I look at. Whenever Baby I look at Tiana or adult Tiana? Adult Tiana's face. Okay. But I, I, I know she's your kid, so you're not going to think this at all. Um, or, or you might, but, but to me, every time I see Tiana, I think it's just Bonnie. It just looks like Bonnie. <laughs> this is big enough an image. I am. I need to, I need to look at her. Are you in interest? Yeah. <laughs> this I is can a, see that. I can see that, radio. I suppose. A bit. <laughs> Maybe. I can't explain it. Laura said no. But you know, sometimes uh, someone just reminds you of someone, doesn't it? Yeah, they do. It? And I, exactly. it, I think it's just one of those, yeah. I can't yeah. personally see it. But. No. Oh, I, I will say, she has some of the best outfits, does Tiana. She's got like five costume changes and they're all amazing. Like her green dress at the end is fabulous. Her wedding dress thing mm. with the white, the little white stripes, fabulous. She's a fashion icon. The, how, how do we feel about um, the, uh, the the kiss at the end, transforming? You know, with, it's quite a hot topic at the moment, isn't it, with Snow White and uh, California and everything. Mm. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, be more specific. Well, well, just that they get every, they're, they're happy and, and fine and everything, but they get everything they want when they kiss. Right, okay. Right. I think by that point, they've earned it because they didn't know that was going to work and they'd made the decision to... They'd made the decision to stay as frogs and just be together and stuff. It's nice, so I, think it? that this, I know that's, this, this is story, really, but it's nice, isn't it, that bit? I forgot to talk about it before. Yeah. Nice. This one. This one's okay. Yes. I've um, I've been following the California thing <laughs> with one raised eyebrow and... That seems like... That. I, don't, I don't know the origins of that, like where that's come from and who's wanting to change it, but, again, it's one of those things where there seems to be more people complaining about it than yes. uh, than um complaining about people complaining yeah, about it yeah. than there are people complaining about it so that's why it's trending and that's why it's become a thing and like i i read a thread today and all the comments were saying 
oh, this world's going crazy. I can't believe yeah. it. A, a bunch of snowflakes, this, bunch of snowflakes, that. And you think... Where are the snowflakes? I've who seen. are these snowflakes that yeah. are actually, actually complaining? Because maybe a couple of people have, have looked at it and thought, hmm, this is, uh, maybe we need to address this. And now it's like a yeah. whole big thing, as usual. Yeah. It's what like, happens, isn't it? Yesterday on Twitter, yeah. I saw lots of people saying, um, like, why is Rule Brit- uh, Britannia trending? Because you've just said it. Yeah. Every person that's just yes. said it because you've just said it. And as you look down the list, it's just people saying, I can't believe this. I can't believe Rule Britannia's trending because you've said it again. I'm sorry, I've taken us down a horrible path. Shall we? Shall we? Uh, yes, rate let's the start on it. <laughs> ten. Ten. I don't think it's quite a ten for me. There is some bits where it does look a little bit flat. I'm going to give it a nine. It's 2D, of course it's flat. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Music. Touché. So, uh, Bonnie said it in. Uh, I, I, she didn't quite say it the way she did when it happened, but as we're watching it, she she, she just said out nowhere, "This sounds like Toy Story." And I said, ah, do you know why that is? And she was quite surprised to hear why. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were saying, like, you know, um, it, the style of music is different, but it's definitely got a, a score style, which, like, a six-year-old went, this sounds like Toy Story, which I haven't even watched for months. <laughs> do you know what I think is genius? The opening crawl is a Wish Upon a Star song. Mm, I with a that. star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But... It's just, it's got that that little, you know, the semitone, little changes that make something most definitely jazz that you don't hear anything else. The melody itself is a jazz melody, even though it's not loads of rolling saxophones or anything. It's just got that jazz twist. And you know instantly, it's just like shorthand for going Disney, princess film, but it's a bit different. I love it. Yeah. Um. It, it's very, very Randy Newman, very, very. I mean, the the um, New Orleans song in particular is just classic. Explain everything that you can see, Randy Newman song. But do you know what? And, and so that is not my favourite song. I'm just going to put that out there. But there's a table in the kitchen. <laughs> film a podcast with some lights. Yeah. But almost there is. Absolutely class, and dig a little deeper is just. I, I put that on in uh, in the house on a regular basis mm. when I just want to have a bit of a dance. I just love it. Absolutely These songs are abnormally memorable. Mm. Yes, um, and they're all of them. There's yeah. like there isn't one where you go, oh, I don't like that one. They're all good. I will say that they all are recognisable as Randy Newman and. You might say, oh, that's not a bad thing. Bon Jovi is recognisable as Bon Jovi. But there does get a point where the, sort of two-thirds of the way in, there's a melody that sounds like another melody. And I don't mean in a sort of deliberate John Williams way. I mean, it's just, it's another random I complained about this in a, a Disney film a while ago. It and be you, Sherman Brothers and, and I argue And you, you were both like, no, that's deliberate. That's the thing. That's like, you know, they have motifs. I'm saying, no, it's not motifs. It's a, a similar, like, musical style that's just, they can't, like, that they're sort of tied to, that they can't escape, that they've got certain melodies. But this, this does have a, a 
musical style though, because it's all New Orleans jazz. And and so there's there's that and there's Randy Newman. That? So you've kind of just you've it, you've, you've got that. Oh, you stuck with it. It was Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and you and you and you were like, no, so. But there's <laughs> there's a lot of songs in it, and it, the one that um, Ray sings that's not the Emmeline, not Emmeline, Evangeline, Evangeline song. So the first song he sings, going down the bayou. That one. No, is that it? Oh, maybe it is. I think it is. Yeah. Mm, he's but, not. He's not there. There is there, then, is he? Yeah, he's t- they're all taking him down. Taking him down the bayou. Oh, okay. It's it's all, um, it's all of the fireflies, isn't it? But it's there's loads of songs that come yes. thick and fast. You've got the when you're human, ba, 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 and then you've got going down the bayou, and even just singing, then you could tell it was mm-hmm. the same. And it just comes too soon after it. And it, I almost thought it was like a reprise of the same blooming song again. So, for as much as I do love the music, I think it's one song too many. Because you really start to just feel that repetitiveness. Yeah, I, I'm just I think looking at the soundtrack. I think you're kind of right. Um, it just it moves that musically. It moves at such a lick of a pace. There's no there's no time between songs. Facilier's song comes in after, after almost there, almost immediately. They're just straight mm. in bang. Let's get on with this song. Let's set this plot up, and then bang next in, into the next bit, and so on. And and all the stuff in the Bayou. It, it, again, it's just it just rolls off doesn't it one after another after another after another and you're right there's a lot of similarities particularly in those two to those two songs mm-hmm. early on it's broken up a bit by evangeline um and, and i i do genuinely think that that dig a little deeper is is a a class song and stands out but standout hit yeah there's a little riff in uh gonna take you there aka going down the bayou it's called gonna take you there uh, there's a little riff going on in it and you just you want more of it. And it's one of those songs that's like less than two minutes and you can go, oh, is that all we get? And that's oh, how see, good that's it is. that's the one I'd get rid of. <laughs> that's the one that's really? just one too many for me, yeah. It's, like, it's got like a dee diggy diggy dee diggy 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 thing going on and you're like, yeah, come on. It, it, sound, it sounds like Benny Hill. <laughs> Benny Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything else? <laughs> it, it. No, it, what about, it, yeah, it is a banging soundtrack. It is a banging soundtrack. I even I like that think... song in the credits. Within, you know, when you find out that they've cut a song from something like the original Beauty and the Beast cut with human again, and you go, oh, why did you cut that? That's an amazing song. And then they found out that they did it for pacing and mm. they, they, they said it didn't add anything and all this kind of thing. That's what I feel about this um, this soundtrack. I just feel like it's one song too many. Yeah. I've been looking at my clock for the last uh, four minutes, thinking, "When's Hugh going to bring up the?" Universe? Oh, actually, I didn't. I didn't make a note of the time we started, so I didn't realize. Uh, I have a timer on my computer. So I guessed. I guessed uh, we started at thirty-three minutes past nine. <laughs> so it's a guess. That's why I'm a bit late with the unicorn of shame. Um, but we're getting towards the end. So I almost didn't didn't hold it up for you guys because I thought, "Well, we're getting towards we're the end anyway." There, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we score it? Yeah. <laughs> score the score um, I'm going to give it uh, I want to give it a 10 but not that I think there are too many songs but there's some of them that I'm not so keen on and it is very Randy Newman and as much as I like some Randy Newman it's a lot of Randy Newman so I'm going to give it a 9 <laughs> it's very Randy I'm going to give it um, an 8 I like to say banging soundtrack 
couple of songs too many and you can hear the author's voice too much, mm. I think. Well, you're saying that, but imagine if he was singing in it like in oh. uh, Toy Story, <laughs> you know. Angeline. So, uh, yeah, I've given it a 10. Yeah. Wow, this is going to be a heavy hit. I mean, I've, I've scored it um, 29 out of 30. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, again, it's that thing. I, this is just what I think it is has earned and deserves. M- maybe not my favourite, but uh, I'll happily watch this again in a few more days, you know. I wouldn't be like, oh, not this again. Yeah. I was really looking forward watch to watching it again. it again today, I have to say. Mm. Mm. What's that like then? Are you going to do IMDb first? Yeah, IMDb. Well, I'll tell you the um, box office first. Mm. It had a budget of 105 million, and the box office, it took 269 million worldwide. So it's a box office hit, basically. Maybe mm. not the hits that we would be seeing five years later um, with the likes of Frozen and so on. But at the time, it was a very decent earner for what had been a bit of a failing studio. Mm. Um, the IMDb score is standard, 7.1. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics' score is 85 and the audience score is 74. Oh. But what do we think? We think 88, Ooh. which is the same as Lilo and Stitch and Ooh. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, oh. one below the Jungle Book. Ooh. So that is a big score. It's one more than Snow White. <sighs> Well, well, well. I think this, it, we were a bit mean on the story for Snow White, I think. Well, we were. I, I give it. No, okay. <laughs> it was, it's one more than Snow White, but one less than Snow White but for what you gave it. Because you gave it a maximum. Very good. Um, oh, I'm going to get this right today. Favourite bits. Uh, my favourite bit is where Ray turns himself into a key by going stiff and going upside down <laughs> and then just flying into the lock. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, I'm with you on that. My favourite bit was um, when she thinks she's just chatting away to a frog and then he goes, the kids would be nice, yes. (laughs) Brilliant. Comedy timing. Does does he say something like, um, just one and he's like, unless you beg for more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very um, Puss in Boots though, isn't it? From the Shrek films Mm. as a character. Mm. Um, Boots. My favourite bit is Dig a Little Deeper. I could literally just sit and watch that song over and over and over and over and over and over again. Just love it. Absolutely love it. Mm. Cry Factor? Well, as I said before... Ah. Oh, sorry. Go on. It's absolutely beautiful. She really loves it. I don't know why we just can't be together. <laughs> Hugh's cry factor. Yeah, when his little light goes out, you know, I'm up to a four at that point. But then, when he appears alongside Evangeline, come on. That's a cry little socks off five. Oh, I'm starting that again. <laughs> Excellent. Full five teardrops from me wow. on that one. Uh, we first watched this in a like a, a, a cabin at a holiday. What's that place called? That Diamond Resorts place. <laughs> oh, did we? Is that where we first wrote? Yeah, up in Cumbria. Mm. Pine Lakes. Pine Lakes. Uh, that, that, it was on the TV there. I think Lucy was getting ready. Um, Sounds like a set of the horror And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we asked some people on Twitter. Mm. 
mm-hmm. they thought of it. We had uh, w- one of the replies I was going to read was uh, Brookie saying the um, oh, oh I knew it. Just in the nick of time, Caitlin Jackson sends a, res- a response. I was like, oh, where's Caitlin Jackson today? But um, she, she's never actually, um, like, let us know if she actually listens to the show, if she, if she just catches us on Twitter. But it, I'm very grateful that you always reply. Caitlin. Yeah. Um, Andrew Palmer said, uh, hated it when I first saw it years ago with the voodoo and plot, but watched it again recently on Disney+, Plus, and now I want that restaurant to exist. Mm-hmm. Yes, mate, me too. I think it's going to a new Orleans squad. Yeah, I believe Maybe so. Maybe that was just someone's suggestion. No, I thought, I've, I'm sure I've heard that. Did I complete yeah. that thought earlier? I was going to read uh, Brookie's out in this, but you said it earlier. So you started saying that, and then you started talking about Yeah, I got distracted. <laughs> uh, my favourite comment is from Bob Sangwell, who says, sorry, I couldn't comment. We had real people visit us this afternoon and discovered we had lost the power of speech. <laughs> <laughs> so he can't tell us what he thinks. Uh, Caitlin Jackson... Uh, says, um, I love it. As a Louisiana native, it is practically a requirement. Oh, is she? Oh, I didn't know that. There's a comment under there from her that she adds, I'm excited for the retheme of Splash Mountain. I am, you know what, having watched it today, it's still, it's still, um, you know, we've our reasons for liking it aren't, you know, like there's some awful th- mud being thrown at anyone who said that. But I like that ride. We mm. just like it because it's uh, got some cute animals in it. To us, you know, we don't... Catchy songs. We, we, we don't understand... Mm. We didn't understand the accents until we'd seen, um, you know... Uh, Song of the South. Song of the South. And we're not immersed We just in thought it was like a cute woodland thing and we, we don't get all that. We just no. we just enjoy that ride. So, But I'm, I've always been, like, um, up for this re-theme... Um, you know, I just wish we could have both. I'm I'm up for it. Like, just get this. I'm up for it if I can ride it one more time. Mm. At the point that it was announced was the point when we had had two Disney trips um, cancelled and I was genuinely... It was like the final straw, was Bereft. Oh, it was the final straw. It was like, and then when next time we go, there's not even going to be Splash Mountain. Mm. If we can go and ride it one more time, they can do what they like. And I'll look forward to going back and there being a new ride. Mm. But it's it's what Small World in Paris is to me. That's what that is to me. I think it is to a lot of people. I think that's why mm. people are so um, vocally, or some people are vocally opposed to to these changes. It's not about... Yeah. Any of the rest of it, it's people have a fondness of, for the for the mm. ride, and yeah. yeah, and literally a fondness for the uh, you just just yeah, just the sort of mood you're in with the singing birds and like you, you know you're sort of like in a, mm. a canyon and it just I love, just love all that. Yeah, but, but she said uh, she's excited <laughs> for the retheme, though the pe- uh, the the pedant in me must point out that if there is anything Louisiana lacks, it's mountains. A lot of people said this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very flat state, <laughs> and they're going let's. Let's do a Louisiana version of a mountain ride. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know what that's going to be. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. just just don't shut it before August, please. Don't <laughs> shut it before August, because one thing is, every time we have a cancel and rebooking, I'm thinking, oh, but we, we're going to get, we are going to get to Splash Mountain, aren't we? And at worst, if it's just closed, you know. At least if it was rethemed by the time we get there. <laughs> but, but it wouldn't be, yeah, would it? No, it would be no, shut. Just be and, shut. And Bonnie would be very upset too. Oh, mm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Any any other business from either of you guys? No. Right. So I've become very aware that at the end of this show, it all just descends into chaos and uh, and it's pretty awful. So on my phone here, I've written an outro. <laughs> 
Uh, no, it's quite long, so settle down. <clears throat> Here we go. The sun is setting in the bayou. <laughs> and my beignets, beignets? I've got it right this time. Yes, beignets. My beignets are ready to come out of the oven. So it's time for us to say our goodbyes. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. We even have a Patreon account if you want to subscribe and throw us a few pennies to help us with our running costs. Next time, we'll be talking about the one we've all been looking forward to. Classic number 50, Tangled. Until then, thanks for stopping by. See you real soon. How's that? Is that a good outro? Brilliant. Does that work? Maybe what do we, we now? just say goodbye. Strange voices. Well, I should have just <laughs> pressed the music and gone. What's going to happen now is it's going to descend into chaos like it always does. But it's just that I've done an outro a few seconds ago. I'm just okay. going to say bye. Yeah, see you later, everybody. Bye.